Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Searching for Happiness podcast. I am your host, Joseph Grable, and today I have with me veteran, filmmaker, and writer Ernesto Rodriguez. How are you doing today, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you for coming out. I appreciate oh, thanks it. Thanks for having me. I've had a fun conversation with you thus far, so I'm really excited to get to know you a little bit more on a personal level, my dude. Um, first and foremost, you're a veteran, man. Um, I am. You know, first and foremost, thank you so much for your service. Thank you. I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. You know, I come from a military family, so you're very well respected in my terms, man. And uh, I appreciate you, you know, taking out the time to come today and do this with me, man. And it's been a while, too. We've been trying to do it for a while, but it's just been... We life have. Is we, just... we have. I, I was supposed to be in season one. You're supposed to be in season one? Like, like oh, man, I think back in like may i was or, supposed to be like your third guest yeah yeah and it's like now it's guests like 25 or something your guest yeah, well 25. i mean i i, I life mean, is crazy when, when we first met i was still commuting oh yeah from arizona that's right to la every week to make a movie yeah that's right oh my goodness and so you were like oh dude like come on the podcast i'm like yeah, I'm in Tucson right now. Yeah, that's right. That's um, right. And I finally made the big move last year, actually, September 15th. So, oh, yeah. So, just I'm a little, a little over, a over a year of living in LA. Yeah. I remember that, though. Yeah, man. We've known each other for like two years because I met you when we were doing the, um, because you started school online, right? Yes. As, yeah. as did everybody. Yeah. 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 I actually, I was here like, six months before all that bullshit happened so like i had like i had class on campus completely normal nothing wrong everything like you know post-covid or right. pre-covid obviously and then like we transitioned to school and then like i met so many new people but i think you were one of the first people i really connected with like over zoom though yeah i think yeah. i started april of 2020 okay yeah so I, it was all digital for me. All yeah, I, I was like August 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's been interesting for sure. And now and now we're both coming towards our closure. of. I know. How is it? Are you are you nervous? I know you're going for your master's, but are you nervous that it's kind of wrapping up at this at least at no, this level? I'm, I'm not nervous. Um I'm confident in, in what I can do. It's it's different for me just because of the fact that I when I came in and I started realizing that uh, you know I'm 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 in class with a lot of people who just got out of high school or took a break or they're you know they're in their twenties and I'm I'm almost forty. Um but I'm, I feel confident because you have to have stories to tell. And I have plenty of stories. I agree. So, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and proud to be here, you know, uh, where I am. And, and to know that, uh, that I can bring something to the table. Yeah. 
For sure. Well, you definitely you definitely bring a lot of things to the table, my dude. I've 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 worked with Ernesto for like in person for well over for about a year now, I would say, because you were like as soon as you moved here, like you were ready to go on production. I hit really. the ground running, yeah. Yeah, sure. you hit the ground running. So like I I actually met you in person like fairly quickly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like I remember you would drive when even when you lived in Tucson, you would drive here when they started doing in person and stuff. Yeah. And you would start doing classes. So we even met before that. And you definitely you have a lot to bring to the table, man. I've de- I've been your like assistant director before as well, you know, for because I love you and like, you know, you're very fun to work with and you're you're very well grounded and you're very you know what you want as well, which is which yeah. is great because a lot of people, you know, nothing nothing wrong with this because you know life is all about learning, but like a lot of people just don't know what they want when they're doing certain things, you know. No, yeah, and I and I know what I want, but I'm also happy to hear other people's opinions of things mm-hmm. um, where, where I've noticed that some people get so involved in their own stories um, that they don't allow outside input. And I always want to make sure that if I, if I am working, you know, and I hope to God that I, I, I continue working you will. that, uh, you will. well, let's, Let's hope. You will. You will. You got to be optimistic, man. Uh, um, got to speak it into existence. Okay. Well, I, I, don't, I don't do that. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't manifest things on a wall. That's, that's not how I do things. But, but, but I hope I can collaborate enough with people where um, they're uh, safe enough in my, in my sets and in, in yeah. my environments that they can bring their input in and I could receive it. Mm-hmm. Um and make a better version of whatever I think I'm thinking. So, um, you know, stories need to be told and that's important. And sometimes it's best for the whole production to ensure that even the smallest voice is heard because that may amplify and make your story better. I agree. Um, there's, there's so many people that are so f- fixated and focused on what they want to do that they don't see the outside. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't put themselves in other people's shoes, and they don't see the other perspective. Right. Yeah, and and it, and it goes it goes a long ways. Like especially you know you've learned, I've learned. It goes a long ways when you're really communicative with your team and you're really you can if you're really good at communicating you will do a very effective job and and people have dreams right so like let's say i'm directing a film Mm -hmm. and i have a pa or craft guy whatever but really he wants to direct give him a shot yeah throw him throw him in front hey man you know there's the camera there's the 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 viewfinder Here's the focus guy. Show me what you got. Because you never know. Mm-hmm. You may be you may be breeding the next Tarantino, and you don't know, because he's serving sandwiches, mm-hmm. right? And so, I hope I hope, and I wish that my ego never goes so far that I can't give somebody else a chance who's starting from the bottom yeah i i'm 
I would I I feel the same way. I'm very like especially, you know, recently just, you know, just kind of reevaluating myself in my life. I've realized that like in LA you you can you can definitely form an ego and uh I'm looking to like definitely ditch mine and you know, when it comes on set, you know, egos definitely get the best of people for sure. Of course. And they you know, and I think the way you, you, you know, you work with your crew, you know, I think you leave it all at the door. And I think that's really, really good. No, I And I think, what's that? What? I think that, you know, what you were saying about giving people chances is you do that as well on set. Like you have like, you know, bump people up in roles or, you know, you've demoted someone that wasn't doing a good job because you could tell that someone that actually really wanted to do it mm-hmm. was going to do a better job. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's, you know, very, very crucial to have on set. Yeah. And and the thing is, I don't come from a LA frame of mind. Right. So, I mean, I've lived in Jesus Christ. All right. Hold on. Let me, let me think. Indiana, New Jersey, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, a little bit of Texas, Arizona, um, Los Angeles. I've lived in I lived in Germany for a little bit, and ten places. More than that. More than I, that. Those is are crazy. the ones that I can think of, like that were impactful in my in my life. But yeah. Every place I've been, like, I've 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 met people who want to tell stories or want to direct, want to act, whatever they want to be in, in this part of the industry yeah, and they can't because they're not from LA. Mm-hmm. And so when I come here, I don't come here with an LA frame of mind. I don't come here with a, um, we have to do it this way kind of uh, frame. I, I think about all these people who are everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And I try to empathize with them and be like, we'll, we'll, eventually we'll come to you. Because the great stories are not in LA. The great stories are fucking middle America. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Um, and if you think about it, like, we tell these based on a true story veteran stories or Western stories and shit like it. None of it happens in California. So hopefully, hopefully in my tenure as a director or filmmaker, I can bring those people in and tell mm-hmm. those, tell the stories in the way they need to be told. And you're over, you're opening a Latinx, you know, film production company as well. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, working on it, I'm yeah. working on it. Um, and I think that I think that'll help a lot, you know, shed the yeah. light on stories like that. I I have not seen uh, Latinx. I say Latino because I'm older, and that's just you know the for me that's my privilege. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen a Latino film company really take off in Hollywood. So you know we can talk about the legality of things, right? You, you build a production company so mm-hmm. that you can make your movies and yeah, tax and money and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> but, um, 
No, I've never seen a, a Latino film company. Um, we've had Latino actors and directors, but never ones that have like solid representation. Yeah. So. Well, and, and we're at a we're at a point in history now where repre- representation is important. Yeah. Um. Whether it be you know, uh, your sexuality, your your lineage. Um. So yeah. So the the Taino Indians were the Native American tribe that was in Puerto Rico before mm-hmm. the Spaniards came in and like took it over. Um, so yeah, Taino, Taino pictures is what I want to do and make sure that Latino voices have a chance in Hollywood to tell Latino stories. That's awesome, dude. You know, and I think, you know, of course we'll touch on it a little bit more throughout the video, but you know, I think a representation is an all time high right now. And you know, it's, it's, it's been beautiful to watch the content come out these last few years in different mm-hmm. cultural aspects. You know what I mean? Like Squid Game, uh, Fences, uh, uh, what's another good one? We just, uh, uh, reservation R- Reservation Dog? Oh yeah, Reservation Dogs. Yeah, yeah, I did check that out actually. You know, you, you see, you're starting to see too, like in Hollywood, there are more stories of representation. But they still struggle. They still, th- yeah. this is the thing, they still fight with the studios to make these stories. And, and the studios are very, old school and kind of naive so they keep going like oh we we need you know a white protagonist or like a superhero who's and and we're done with that we're done with that and and they're trying and they're playing these games where like oh we'll put a latinx character in there to make sure it's represented or gay or uh lesbian well gay they're all gay it's gay right i don't know gay lesbian i don't know um or you know black or whatever we're we're going to make sure all the characters are represented but they're not doing it for the sake of telling those stories they're doing it to fill a demographic Mm -hmm. how do we get these people to sit down and watch this movie and that's not the way it should be like we should be able to tell those stories, right? I've been reading um, these books about Latino fairy tales mm-hmm. um, to see how I can turn those into scripts. Where a lot of students are like, we'll just throw a Latino in there or a black person or a gay person so that we can put butts in seats yeah i mean that'll help you with business but in the long run they're not gonna keep keep coming yeah so we'll see i mean we we have uh black panther 2 this is a great example i i hate that i just figured this out black panther 2 let's take all the black and latino characters in marvel and just throw them all in one movie right namor Mm -hmm. is now mayan mexican latino caramel skinned we'll throw him in with with all the black 
people too. And just sell that. Right? And I and I see it on TikTok and social media. We're all gonna wear white for Black Panther. Um to uh to honor um Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman. And we're gonna, we're just gonna throw all the minorities into one movie. That way we can sell tickets. That's how I see it. That's how I it's see it. It's probably the truth. It's just the truth. I mean, it, I mean, if it's it, it's plain a day. That's how Marvel's working, right? We 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 need a Muslim. Let's make Miss Marvel. We need a Latino. Let's throw him in Black Panther. We need a, a black community to come watch our movies. Let's make Black Panther too. And Black Panther, the first one, right? You remember the whole controversy about that? No, I don't remember. White people shouldn't go to the fucking Black Panther movie. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. I think it like around Black Panther when it came out, I was still like I don't think I was in high school. I was out of high school, but it's like 2 years out of high school. I what I like I loved movies. I went and watched them, but I never kept up with the behind the scenes news. Once I moved to LA, I I got very enamored with like behind the scenes gossip and news and stuff like that. So that's probably why I haven't but I, I would believe it. I would believe yeah. it. I would believe it. America is a very uh, interesting place. So mm. I believe it. Um, but yeah, no, dude. I I think someone, I don't even know. It was a few weeks ago. Someone started kind of po- pointing out similarities to what you're saying as well. And, you know, it's you're, you're probably not far off, to be honest. You're not oh, far I'm not off. far off. Yeah, you're not far off, dude. Like, and you know sometimes sometimes it's very obvious in movies too. Yeah, like they just threw the person in there just because it's money. It's money. Yeah, just because like they don't want to get backlash. I, right? I see the money. forest for the trees, right? Yeah. So I, I understand that this will make me money. So I'm not going to deviate from that. Yeah, I'm also happy to see that like people are calling Hollywood out for those things. Yeah. Um. Like Brendan Fraser being back in Hollywood is great and Amazing. necessary. Amazing. Um, for for way more than just being in movies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, to see these people trying to figure out how to get representation in Hollywood is important. Um, hopefully the studios don't stifle that and make sure that, you know... Not and, and I'm not just talking about minorities, right? I'm not I'm not just talking about all those people, but like age ageism is a big thing for me, right? For me, I'm forty years old. I'm I'm I shouldn't be I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be in Hollywood. Uh ageism is a big thing in Hollywood. So hopefully that isn't um keep me from making quality movies i don't think it will we'll find out i guess right? you never know that's true i feel like that i feel like it's more true for actors not filmmakers no though. you're wrong really yeah i'm i have i because i have i don't have a shelf life i could see okay, that's fair i feel like i just feel like it's more common for actors though because you know, the actors do have that rule, like, once you turn 40 or, like, once you're 35, it's, like, harder to get roles or it something sucks like that. Especially sucks for female actors. Oh, yeah, I know. Right? So, 
the, the thing is like, you know, for a male going into his mid 40, eventually when I graduate from all this stuff, mm-hmm. I'll be in my mid forties. Um, I'll still be known as distinguished or whatever, where, where a female actress will suffer because of her age. Um, let me tell you what, man. I'll I'll take those actresses over a twenty year old all day. Oh yeah, her day. They have yes. they have experience. They have knowledge. They exactly. They know. Mm-hmm. You know. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, man. You know, I think the next coming years are gonna be very interesting for you. So and- how, how you doing, man? Like, let me let me ask you. Like, how's how's your happiness going? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you want to fucking around and fucking play this uh, searching for happiness stuff. Like, yeah, man, uh, it's really important to know that you're happy. You can keep I'm, I'm happy. asking people how they're doing, but yeah, why are you happy? Don't, I'm happy. I can I can I could have come on. This episode would have been over in two seconds. So I would have been like, yeah, I'm good, happy. That's true. End of story. I'm happy for a lot of reasons, man. Tell me. You know, know, a few, you know, last few years have been like really rough and like financially and, you know, career wise and school wise and everything's kind of coming, you know, to a close and, you know, school and I'm getting ready to graduate in like two months. And I just worked with like the most amazing crew I could have like ever asked for, like mm-hmm. on a, you know, short film that I shot, you know, we still got to shoot some scenes, but like, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to get back to work with the whole crew. And like, it just makes me happy to had watched and seen and done all that this past weekend. And oh, but tell me, tell me about your happiness, my happiness. It you're, really, you're, stem- like, you're like, shit's rough, but it's okay. But now I have, no, tell me what's making you happy. Uh, there's a lot of things, man. I'm I'm surrounded by great people. I'm uh-huh. surrounded by great friends. I'm surrounded by an amazing family. Uh, I have a family of my own now, you know, with a little dog and a wife, you know, like that makes me happy, you know. Uh, I drive a nice car now. It's something I always wanted as a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you, just, you just turned what, like 12? Yeah. <laughs> multiply that by two and you got my age but yeah pretty much 12 but no like i my whole life i've had you know you know i've had like a little bit of a rough life with like heart surgeries and you know I've, i've lost a few people very close to me and i don't know it's starting to feel worth it it's starting to feel a little worth it not fully you know it's i don't know it's it's never gonna feel worth it yeah and the the as soon as it starts feeling worth it um you're you're off the path it, it's, i see what you're it's, saying no it's it's okay to be happy it's okay to yeah. be driven forward but the second you feel satisfied for me at least oh yeah the second you feel satisfied something's off Oh yeah, no. Because you for should sure. always want more. Yeah, yeah. You should always want. Oh yeah, no. I have goals for like the next. 50 and not in years. a bad way. Yeah. Right. It should. It, it never push yourself to a point that it's unattainable. Yeah. Well, you have a wife, right? You have a puppy. You made it to your twenty somethings. You have a TV. You have a you know a ha- you have a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has that. Yep. Um. Um. So your next goal should be like 
I'll do an upgrade to my apartment. I'll get a two bedroom instead of one bedroom. That's li- that's literally our goal. That's right. Like, like that's and hilarious. that's it. Little small steps. Yeah. Right. But the thing is, if you're like, I want to like instead of a two bedroom, I want a mansion in the hills. Then you're driving too far. Right. You're never gonna, you're and you won't get there. Because you're too busy focused on that. Yeah. So enjoy what you have. Be happy with what you have. Pursue your happiness in whatever way you want. Um, and just one step at a time, but small steps. Yeah. I'm not a big stepper. Trust me, I'm not a big stepper. Like, I definitely, I go nice and slow. Like, each each goal I have, like, obtained this year has been, like, years in the making. Like, years in the making. Like, you know, I like, for my, my car, for instance... I've never had like any nice car. Like I've always had, you know, like beaters or like cars that constantly break down mm-hmm. or, you know, and now I can, you know, comfortably, you know, have a nice car or it's like things like I might not be, I'm like, I'm not fully satisfied right now, obviously, cause I have more goals, obviously. But at the same time, like, wait, I th- but you, but you should be satisfied. Here's the thing. Be satisfied with what you have now. Oh, well, yes, of course, of course. With with the knowledge that you will get things later. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I, talking about new cars, hello, mm-hmm. I have a brand new... Oh, yeah, yeah. The, oh, I have yeah, a brand Jeep. new souped-up Jeep. I love that thing. I have a beautiful motorcycle. A nice place in LA. I'm, I'm super happy with where I am. Mm-hmm. Be happy with what you have now. Enjoy what you want. I'm seeing one, two, three beautiful cameras. Yes. A car I'm sure that you have is wonderful. A wife would be happy with what you have now, mm-hmm. knowing that you don't need it. Oh, yeah. I know I don't need it. No, no, no. And, and the older you get, the more you'll figure that out. If somebody were to take all this away from me right now, I'd be totally okay. Where, where a lot of people get all this and think that's a necessity. Mm-hmm. You don't need any of this. Oh yeah. I know. So we, and we haven't spoken about this. I, for, for about a year and a half, I basically lived on the road mm-hmm. with nothing, a backpack with clothes, a tent, no dogs, no family, no love life, no belongings, no car, nothing. And I was happy. I was super happy. And now I struggle with my happiness because I keep trying to figure out how to keep the things I have without needing them. It's pretty rough, man. I love that Jeep. That Jeep is bomb, right? You know, my season pass of Universal is great. My, you know, I have these great things. But nothing lasts forever. Yeah. Do So do I keep working for it? Do I keep pushing to keep those things? Or do I keep pushing to be happy? That's a big struggle amongst people in general. I agree. It's, a, it's something I struggle with all the time as well. You know, like, I mean, because, like, you're right. Like, we don't need these things. Like, I find myself, you know, like, Universal, for instance. I love Universal. I love it. I love it too. I just, I love it too. I just finished Halloween Horror Nights. I still haven't been because I'm a broke ass bitch, but 
like season yeah yeah i mean like i'm I'm not broke because i live in la obviously but like you know la is expensive you're, so. you're la broke i'm la broke i'm la broke people um so don't come at my throat please <laughs> but like no like i just was saying that for once in my life like truly like for once in my life i feel like i can breathe mm-hmm. i feel like i can like truly just breathe and if i just like want to fuck off for a day isn't it the best thing? I can. Yeah. And that's, I've never in my entire life been able to do that. You know, like I, I had my but first it, but job. Enjoy that luxury because yeah. there, there are people, you know, in the U.S. who don't get that luxury. They don't get to breathe. They're working, you know, nine to fives or yeah. 50, 60 hours. Oh, plus. yeah. I've seen it. My, my mom, my mom had jobs all sorts of jobs when i was a kid man I, my and mom worked day it, in day out it's so weird in la too because the thing is like i could just make a, a new brand of shoelace yeah and make six figures yeah because you all you have to do is find that niche of like rich people yeah and then you're like oh and i made the new louis vuitton like yeah. the next louis and vuitton here it's easy yeah but then like you go you know you go to your friends back home and they're like how the fuck are you still living yeah because I, I found a bunch of rich idiots who liked, you know, big toe only nail polish. Yeah. And now I have, you know, enough money to stay in LA. Yeah. And it's like, it's crazy, dude. Is you like, you can, you can make money doing anything out here as well. Because I know a lady that literally charges like 500 bucks a day just to show up with like crafty and make it look pretty. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, she makes a killing like a day off of that. Like, and she literally just sits there on her phone and like, you know, I've seen her at like two different shoots and like, she there's, just sits there and just like restocks. There's companies here that sell dirt. Yeah. I know. <laughs> like, I know. You dirt. Can... Literally like, like they go to fucking, you know, New Mexico, dig dirt into a, sh- in, into a truck and bring it onto a movie set. And like, you know, $1.5 million for all this dirt. <laughs> and then they put it back in their, tr- they put it back in their truck to sell to somebody else. It's so LA. It's, it's dirt. So, it's so That's true. LA. The LA is like, I will sell you dirt for <laughs> millions of dollars. It's very much LA. Oh my goodness. No, like for real, it's, you can make money in the most mysterious ways, but that's also allowed me to like, People ask me all the time, like, oh, would you move to L.A. again? 100% because, like, it's taught me things about business, about money, about real estate, about filmmaking, about just everything you can think of. L.A. has taught me at least the basics of it. And it has made my brain think in different ways to allow me to have days off. I'll I'll love being here while I'm here. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I, I want to learn the art of filmmaking. So directing, uh, so I'm getting my bachelor's in directing. I'll get my master's in cinematography. Two big important parts of filmmaking. Um, will I stay here after that? I, I got to be honest, probably not. I don't want to live in the same state as the Kardashians, to be honest. That's fair. <laughs> right? These 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 people just... We... we the, the privilege and encompassing of fame here mm-hmm. is ridiculous oh my god it's um, tiring and not just that we we're not giving an opportunity to very talented mm-hmm. artists 
outside of LA. So we're expecting is all these people who are talented to move to LA with no money and hope they make it. They got to literally work from the ground up. Right. Where we can literally in LA where we have way too much money push east and find these people and give them a shot. Mhm. I I just I don't get why everything's here. I the more the longer I live here the more I think that too. I don't get it. Right. And and I'm never going to be a nepotism, nepotism daddy as they call it, right? Oh, because you're, you know, because your father is uh, a you know, an executive at Paramount, I have to give you a job. I'm not going to I'm not going to play that game. Oh hell no, bro. Especially if it's not like Oh, no, if two bro. people, let's say two people are uh, auditioning for the same role, and this girl is amazing and talented, but she's from I- Iowa, and she's never had a chance to really be anything, but she's amazing. Mm-hmm. But this girl is, you know, some girl who is the daughter of whatever a producer you know a director whatever so i have to give it to her i'm i'm giving it to iowa all the way oh same 100 percent. talent over everything talent over everything that's a mark of death for us sometimes too though so we got to be careful yeah i think a lot of people forget that with movies sometimes too is like Sometimes it's just it's just talent over everything, dude. It ha- it, ha- it has to be like Game of Thrones, for instance. The the girl, the the new girl, the I don't know her name, but the new House of Dragons. She was like a nobody. Like she had like some like like the younger I, girl because we yeah yeah the younger girl yeah 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 she was like a nobody like working in a uh, beautiful amazing talented actor yeah holy shit she gave so much emotion. Yeah, she was literally like a nobody, like washing dishes like a week before she got called, like living above a restaurant. You know what I mean? Right? Like, those are the stories you want to hear, bro. I'm so tired of hearing like, oh, yeah, this dude got a job because his dad directed this movie or like this dude got a job because his mom did this to this person. Or this is the kid of two major actors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm so tired. Mia Hawk, Wyatt Russell. I can go all day, dude. God, dude, don't even get me started, bro. Right, but the thing me, is, like, me and Sabrina rant about it all the time. They're just... they're they're the kids of actors, so therefore they somebody suck somebody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somebody pulled some strings. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to to get them in there, and I'm not saying that they're not talented, but they have a one up. Oh, over everything. Let's not play this game like you worked so hard to get there. They all say that, too. They're like, you know, I worked really hard, too. I was like, bro, I was like, I'm sure you do now. Like, I'm sure you, you know, dedicate yourself really well. But, brother. Yeah, somebody. somebody. (laughs) Yeah, like, you did not start from the ground up. Way more privilege than you think of you. Right? I'm I'm, I'm all about talent. I understand talent, right? Like, and I'll say this. Mia Hawk is not too bad. However... She plays the same person every time, right? Wyatt Russell, same thing. Every time. They, I, I, we can get on the phone and play this nepotism baby bullshit all day. Um, what you're doing is you're taking away from talent that's outside of you. Yeah. And 
let's be honest. After Weinstein, Hollywood needs fresh blood. We need to understand that there is talent outside of this. This fucking place. Yeah. And we have been so focused on what's here that we're neglecting what's available to us. Yeah. You know, I, I have friends who are filmmakers in Kentucky and Tennessee, Georgia, um, New Jersey, um, all these great places. Um, but they'll never get a shot in hell because they don't know a celebrity or, mm-hmm. you know, a name's not attached to it. Yeah. And it sucks. It does suck, dude. It sucks. But it's like, that's why I, I have a feeling in the next few years, the film business is going to change a lot though. No, I, I have a feeling in this year it will change. Oh yeah. No. And you know, I've noticed more and more that people, you know, art because from no, becoming nobody's from nobody's to somebody, you know what I mean? I think yeah. they're, I think they're trying to branch out more than that, but there's definitely a huge, still like a huge problem with that. I, I think we're going to see a huge rise in the independent films. Yes. Um, with the facility of literally, I can take my phone and make a video right now. Yeah. I can make a movie right now. Exactly. Um, I think we're going to see, it's a slippery slope because we're going to get shit movies, but at least we will be able to expose ourselves to other people outside of all. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, man. Well, man, uh, how have you been though? Truly like, have you been, have you been happy enough or you think you're just kind of floating? Sometimes I feel like I'm just floating. Oh, I'm floating. You're floating right now. I'm floating for sure. Um, I'm, I'm happy making other people happy. I think, and I think that's been an issue for me for a very long time. I, I, I work on it as best as I can. Um, um, I'm satiated where I am. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, it took me a long time to get here compared to where I thought I was going to be, which is a fucking ditch. Yeah. You know, um, nobody ever really believed in me. And, and so to be where I am right now, um, is a miracle and not just that, but satisfying, you know, I'm glad to hear. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I am. Uh, I don't have a million friends around me, but that's okay. Cause I'd rather have good friends. Quality over quantity. Quality man. over quantity. Quality over quantity. Very happy with my two puppies watching way too many freaking movies. Same. Um, but that's for me, that's, that's just more education. Yeah. How, how are people making movies? You know, all that stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be even in my 40s doing something I dreamed of doing in my 20s. No, even younger, right? I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor mm-hmm. or that, you know, now I want to be a director, but to stay in that line. And be able to know, like, I want to be in movies. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm proud that I never gave up. I'm glad. I'm, I'm proud that you never gave up either, bro. Because it's really, it's been really good getting to know you these last few years, bro. No, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy where I am. I'm, I'm, I'm happily here. 
uh, after a very long time. You know, this took decades to get here. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully I can share stories where they need to be shared. And hopefully I can help other people. Uh, I think you will. Tell their stories too. I think you will. Or at least be part of the system. And, and, and we definitely need a refresh. Yeah. I think, I th honestly, I, I consider myself in the people-pleasing business. Like, I enjoy pleasing people because we're making art. We're making art that entertains the world. You know what I mean? And eventually, we are going to be on those multi-million dollar movies. Nope. No? Nope. Don't want to be there. No, you don't want to be? Okay. I well. enjoy pleasing myself. Pleasing yourself? Okay. Uh, so much. Um, but I, I never want to be in those big places. I want to be... I want I want to stay maybe in a higher position, but I still want to be down here helping those twenty year olds, those early thirty year olds make their fucking movies. I respect that. That way that way we keep having original content in a place that is not original anymore. I don't want to see a reboot of Little Women. I don't want to see a reboot of that's the thing, like twenty years from now, we'll get another Iron Man. Because they'll oh, they'll yeah. reboot it. Oh yeah. Instead of these these amazing stories, I want these young filmmakers to have a place where they can tell original stories and not be afraid to tell them. Mm -hmm. Because store uh, studios will be like, nope, that's not going to make us any money. But who wins the Oscars? The originals. The originals. The originals. I, I always tell people that they're like, why do you you know like. Like, say, like, you know, like a lot of people like making like superhero, you know, stuff or like, you know, action flicks. And sometimes it's not original stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, you guys like and then they'll they'll, they'll just echo so much how much they want to win awards. I was like, you're making the wrong content then, my dude. Yeah. Like, you need to focus on something that's true to you something right. that, or it's, it doesn't have to be true to you. It could be. An epiphany that you had off of an idea that you saw somewhere else, but you can make it an original piece. So, you know so, I mean? so hopefully, I'll be almost fifty by the time I get my master's. Hopefully, at that point, I'll I'll be, and very proud and happy to do it. I'll be able to facilitate younger men and women to tell original stories mm -hmm. that will resonate with. America, right? Not a superhero story, not a sci-fi, not a, you know, uh, historical thing, but something that will resonate with people based on individual stories that we've all heard. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens in the next coming 10 years, man. And I think honestly... The biggest thing about this business, they, they say they have these rules, you know, about age and stuff. It's like anyone at any age can make it. Rules business. are made to be broken, man. And that's the thing. And, and, and Hollywood loves when somebody breaks the rules. Yeah, it's true. Think about it. Jordan Peele. Hollywood's very forgiving, too. Jordan Peele. Comedy writer. Kim Peele. All that stuff. Amazing horror writer. No. True. But he got his foot in. Yeah, you got to that's what I really learned about, you know, from some of our, you know, uh, mentors and, you know, people I've looked up to that are, you know, like Jordan Peele or Spielberg or uh, Ari Anster or, you know, all those guys, all those new upcoming Ty West. You know what I mean? Like 
I've really realized that they have all done things to get where they are now. They've yeah, all, we, they've we, all so, had to do things that maybe they originally didn't want to do. But like Jordan Peele, it took him like eight years to make that right. first and we, movie. And we have those. We have the two kinds, right? We have we have the ones that play the game, mm-hmm. and then we have the ones that break the game. Yeah. So, um, um, for example, I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, Eggers. Mm. Eggers? Uh, so his last one was The Northman, right? Yes, yes. Where he... Edgar Wright? No, it was... It was he, he did The Witch, Hereditary. Robert Eggers. Oh, Robert Eggers. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Robert Eggers. So, like, he made these movies that were, you know, critically great, and now he's pushing into studio. Ah. So he made The Witch... I see. You know, all these things. And now he's making The Northman, which he thought would propel him into the studios. Yeah. Um, and then you have other people like Ari Aster and, and all these other people who are like, no, I'm, I'm happy doing my own thing because my stuff is beautiful and, and mm-hmm. filled with context and has a good story mm-hmm. where I don't need to turn this into... A franchise yeah right i respect that too i'm really tired of like like universes getting made i'm like dude i'm, I'm over so it so many the, you got like the walking dead universe you got the dark universe you got the now, DC jo- now john universe, wick the john wick universe the mcu uh there's even i guess the same jordan peele has a universe now too yeah yeah i've heard that i've heard that too but nevertheless man uh Movies are movies. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. What's what's your next movie? What's your, the next one that you really want to watch? Not you're gonna watch because you have to watch it, but what do you want to watch? I don't know. I can tell you, who, I can't wait for a new movie to come out. I can't wait for Tarantino's final film. Okay. I'm. I've been wanting to. You know, he's 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 busy busy trying to direct Star Trek right now. Tarantino? Yeah. Really? Watch the news. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'll look that up. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think Don't Worry, Darling, I wanna see. I'm probably gonna go see it this weekend. By the time this airs, it's probably gonna be out on like fucking video on demand mm-hmm. or some shit. But um I feel like there's so many movies. I'm gonna go to the uh have you heard of the cannabis movie club yet? No. So it's you know, you know, right uh over by our school they had do like the cinema roof or yeah, whatever yeah. Mm-hmm. so they turned it into a cannabis movie club and so That's you cool. can go there so i'm gonna go watch friday in like a few weeks nice all we're right we're gonna go smoke up in there okay but yeah, it's kind of that's the kind of the next thing I'm gonna go see, man. I, I haven't. I've been so busy with my thesis for like the last two months. Like, no, I get it. So so busy, like day in, day out, day in, day out, like nonstop. Mm-hmm. Just like couldn't stop going. Yeah. And I just have not kept up with shit. Like, okay. not, I have no idea. But I'm I'm really looking forward. To, I know there's really good movies coming out. Yeah, I know there's, there's really good so movies. many. So yeah, many, there's yeah. so many. I just can't think of it right now because I just haven't like looked at anything in like a week or two. So. Yeah, I, so I'll, I'll tell you what I'm gonna watch. So it's Halloween. Yeah. Right? Oh so, yeah. So. Oh my God. Yeah, Halloween. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna. So I'm gonna go watch Carrie. Okay. Um, at uh, Hollywood Hollywood Forever the Cemetery. 
When's that? The 18th of October. Oh, damn. I won't be here. Um, But I've never done a Hollywood Forever movie thing. So I I think that's pretty cool. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm down to do one when I get back on the 23rd or 4th. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I love trying new shit. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, as for new movies, uh, I'm going to go watch Moon Age Daydream, mm. which is the uh, David Bowie oh, documentary. Sick. It came out today. Oh, sick. Today, Thursday? Wednesday. It comes out tomorrow. So I'm going to go watch that. I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, I'm going to go watch Don't Worry, Darling, because... Yeah, of course. I love Florence Pugh. Yeah, she's great. She's great. Well... You know, I see these people who are trying to direct these stories or produce or write or compose for these stories mm-hmm. with zero knowledge of how the world works. Yes. Right? Or the experience of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you've had your ups and downs. Yeah, yeah, for you're, sure. You're younger. I, get, I, I know what you're saying because I get frustrated with it as well. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm much younger, but I do, like, I find myself more mature than some, most people my age. And because of life experience... And I do see, I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And I'm the reverse, right? Mm. So I didn't get to have a youth when I was young. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I mean, I joined the army when I was 19. Yeah. Two months later, the towers fell for 9-11. Oh, snap. I was still in basic training. So it was really rough, but I stayed in the military for a very long time for a sense of duty and, and uh, responsibility. I've, I've always wanted to be a filmmaker. I've always wanted to be an actor. Yeah. However, age gets the best of you. Yeah. And, and just life. Yeah. General. Just, just life. And, but the thing is I can still watch a movie and be like, the lighting is good. The, you know, the acting is good. The color is good. The sound is good. I can still see all those things. So I decided to, move towards making movies and i took a break but i didn't go into film school until almost 40 years old um and and you have to realize like age doesn't matter i still love 10 years old or 40 years old i still love movies i still know how they work i still know how they function um, I'm glad I got the education of the technical aspect of it, but you know, it's when I, when I first came in and decided to do this, one of the things I, I was scared about and feared was I'm going to be competing with 20 year olds and it scared the crap out of me. But then I realized those 20 year olds don't have the stories. They don't have the experience, you know, um, they're, they're coming from an educational standpoint Mm -hmm. and I'm coming from a life standpoint. And, um, I'm happy to still be here and try to figure it out. These last few years of, or these last few months of college are kind of weird because I'm communicating with people my age. My professors are my age. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so tomorrow I'm, I'm in the middle of thesis. Tomorrow I really have to go up to the professor and be like, 
you're speaking French to me because you're telling me to make a movie in four months when we both know realistically it takes one to two years. Yeah. I've really, I've really started to notice that too. Like, you know, people, even people like my age and, you know, like I love all my friends, but like our stories that we write are completely different on every level. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm like you, like, I know you write more of a like drama kind of, you know, action. Type. No, I, I mean, I write everything. Well, yeah, of course. Of and, course. I, and, I, and I was taught and mentored by a few filmmakers outside of school. Um, and they were very happy to tell me this. You can either write for yourself and go nowhere mm-hmm. or write for the people and go somewhere. So I can write horror. I can write horror, comedy, you know, uh, drama, mm-hmm. um, fantasy, science fiction, whatever. But when you're writing and when you're directing or trying to make a piece of art, you have to understand the people that are going to enjoy it are the people that are watching and looking at it. Yeah. And it's subjective. And it'll hit people different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're just writing for yourself, you're just telling your story, then it may not um, translate to... The general public, mm-hmm. and so I, I was I was fortunate enough to hear that advice, and know that things like Jaws or Halloween, mm-hmm. right? They may have had a vision of what they want their story that they wanted told, but they moved it to make sure that it was good for everybody. And those are the most successful films. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah, see, like I'm not like I'm still I'm still kind of new to writing. Like I'm not like I won't like I'm not gonna be like oh I've been like writing forever because I haven't like I've probably like consistently been writing for like a year. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and that's mainly like of course there were school assignments and this and that, but I don't really like count that because I wasn't driven or I didn't have any motivation to do it in a sense. Even though I was doing it, I wasn't doing it because I wanted to, but because I had to. But now like I write, you know, for myself and I mainly write like dramas and stuff like that now. And that comes where like my life experience comes and it is my Mm -hmm. stories. And I totally see what you're saying. And like, I had kind of similar advice uh, from a professor of ours. And he was like, how can you make this, you know, for everybody? Because, you know, it was a very personal story. He's like, because I think there was like, I didn't put a certain like element into the film. And he's like, well, you need to put this for it to make completely sense to everybody else. Cause it might make sense to you now, but it might not make sense to everybody else in a sense. And so like, I've been learning how to write, you know, better like that as well. And you know, like I, how long have you been writing? Like, I know you've been writing for quite some time. I mean, I hate writing. Yeah, I, I, know, I know you I hate, hate it. I yeah. hate writing. I mean, I, I love directing actors. I love, um, trying to get to the bottom of things to make sure that they have the proper emotional response mm-hmm. for a script. Um, but we're independent filmmakers, which means we have to do a lot of that stuff. Yep. Produce, direct, write. Mm-hmm. What, whatever is needed of us is what's going to happen. Um, for now. Yeah. Right. 
Um, I don't want to. I don't ever want to work for a major studio. Mm. Um, Interesting. I'm I'm the opposite. Like I, I kind of want to start and like build my way up into it. Because you're a kid. That's true. That's true. Mm. I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about most students in their in their twenties or. Mm -hmm. You know, where wherever they are in life, that's the dream. It, right? I think it's I think it's a good way to start out, in a sense. Like if you don't, if you don't like for me, like in a sense of like I know what I'm doing, but at the same time, because of my life experience and because of the way like I was raised and stuff, I mm-hmm. still kind of have that like oh kind of like the safe net, you know. At first, at least yeah. at first, right when I get out of school, I'm gonna play like the safe net a little bit, and then. As I as I accumulate more connections and I accumulate more friends, right, I start branching out on my own. And when you're and when you're younger, you give your ability to compromise, mm-hmm. and that's that's what happens, right? We compromise. We we compromise our vision. We compromise our love for the film. We compromise our love for art um, to make sure it gets out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm f- I turn four. I'll be forty one when I graduate. I don't have time to compromise anymore. That's fair. And the issue with working with major studios is that I do have to compromise because I'm not a Russo brother, right? Yeah. I'm not a Tarantino. I, I, I wasn't raised or grew up in, uh, in Hollywood. Um, I, I had to get here on my own terms, which means I have very finite time to make what I want to make. And so... To say, I'm going to give the power to executives. I'm going to give the power to other people who think they know better than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have that time to negotiate that, right? Um, if you think about these young filmmakers back in the day, right? Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, whatever. They, they started when they were in their 20s. And they're now established. So it's a struggle for me to try to establish myself at 40 years old. When I have to compete with these people who have been here for decades. But I have stories to tell. Exactly. Which is nice. They didn't. All their, all their stuff is made up. Um, like, I, I really went through the things that I am telling stories about. And when I direct, luckily, I can put myself back in those situations and be able to direct... And, um, and focus on the actor's emotions while I'm doing it. So, yeah, it's it's been really strange to be, right? Because you you hear about these. Morgan Freeman didn't really get his big break until like 48, or Sam Jackson, you know, Brian didn't start. Cranston. Brian Cranston, like all these people, but they worked for it. Mm-hmm. Where I was too busy, doing other stuff. Yeah. Um, and I don't know very many people of my generation who didn't go into some weird security or the police force or something like that. Um, so I was lucky enough to be able to pull out of that, go back to my artistic side. And, you know, I, I've gotten a lot of praise from a few of my veteran buddies who, um, who I was in Iraq, Afghanistan with, <clears throat> who were like, you can tell our stories. And I was like, well, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but I gotta make sure I have some kind of foot in Hollywood before I can do that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And like, you know, I think what separates you from a lot of people too, and why we're really good friends is you just like, you understand everything in life. And like, I mean, not everything, of course. No, I I understand everything. You understand everything. everything. But you're such a very understanding person and you're, you're very humble and you, you tend to like when we're on set, um, when we did your, um, because I love you shot, you, mm-hmm. the way you like, just like rolled and the way you articulated everyone and the way you worked with the actors and you had like a mature sense to it. And it's when it, you, you might be right about all these people having the upper hand on you, but at the same time, it's like all these people are also, you know, that you're naming are like approaching their seventies and eighties. And that's where we're coming. We're the new wave. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You're, you're here to replace them in a sense, in a sense, mm-hmm. like, you know, cause like, say it's like Steven Spielberg, he's probably going to work till he's like a hundred years old if he can. Yeah. You know nobody, what I mean? no, but that's the thing. But eventually all you kids are never going to replace him. Exactly. Until he's gone. Exactly. Right. Um, so I, I, I try to approach it in a, in a very different way because I, I know I'm older than it, m- most people, um, in the generation where I'm trying to make films. Um, so I, I try to understand, mm-hmm and negotiate and figure out how the new generation works. But I also want to be able to help a lot of the ego Mm. of filmmakers, actors, whoever. We all have big egos. We're all the main characters of our own story. Um, I want them to understand and negotiate the fact that we need. We still need to appreciate the fact that we're here for a reason. Yeah. Right. We're here because of Spielberg, Zemeckis, um, <clears throat> Hitchcock, like all these wonderful directors and filmmakers that gave us the opportunity to be where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to encourage the younger generation to make their own stories. Don't reboot. Don't rehash. No sequel. We're, we're done. My generation had that time. We're good. Make your own stories. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and the thing, I, and I hope I can be a part of it. I hope I can help facilitate new and wonderful stories mm-hmm. that maybe will be a reboot a hundred years from now. Um, because right now we are so busy looking back that we never really look forward. I would agree. I would agree. And the reboots are definitely getting old. They're definitely getting <laughs> they're definitely getting old for I have sure. To see a sequel. I, I swear, if I see a sequel to the Goonies, I'm just gonna jump in the lake. I'm done. One that always I really hope they never remake is Miss Doubtfire with Robin Williams. I hope that I hope that one never gets remade. Uh, no, I I I don't think they will. Um at least not for a long time. Or Goodwill Hunting. I hope they never remake that either. And anything with Robin Williams to reboot would be a mistake. Um, Jumanji was a mistake, to be honest. Jumanji was a mistake. Aladdin was a mistake. Right. Um, well, but I mean, I, I don't. That's how the machine works. Yeah. Right. It's the show business. We have a live action, you know, Little Mermaid. Fucking Her- Hercules is coming out soon. 
you know, they're, they're basically, they are so dried up of content that they would just rather live action everything. If they're so dried up on content, we got two Hercules coming. We got one in like the MCU and the regular Disney Hercules. Yeah. It's, it's, it's I mean, Pinocchio, Pinocchio is Pinocchio. a perfect example. Pinocchio was, by the way, uh, Tom Hanks, I love you, mm-hmm. but what a horrible dried up phoned in version of Pinocchio came out. I didn't even watch it. No, but Del Toro is coming out with this version of Pinocchio. Yeah, that's a that's a um, a live act, uh, not a live action, a stop stop motion yeah, claymation, yeah. um, where he really put his heart and soul into it. But Disney was like, you know what, um, Pinocchio's fair use. It's what do you what's it called? I mean, it's public domain. Public domain. So let's just redo it. Hot garbage. It's awful, dude. Big fat hot garbage. I'm, I'm curious to see because uh, I think Mickey Mouse is about to become a public domain too soon. Well, that's what happened with Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, now they got the horror Winnie the Pooh movie. Blood, blood and Honey. Blood and Honey. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to go watch it, but I know it's going to be awful. Hmm. I'm going to go watch it too. That's the thing about filmmakers, and I, I think that's the thing about us. We watch movies mm-hmm. in a very different way. Oh, 100%. Um, in, a, in like an annoyance way sometimes as well too you like we know everything about it like right. we can spot everything. right I'm, I'm i'm gonna go watch don't worry darling later on tonight oh really really yes i i th- with the knowledge of yeah not that great olivia wall barely directed it she was too busy blowing harry styles in the trailer this isn't <laughs> live right i'm allowed to say this. no 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 florence you, you put 110% of her, her time and life into that. Mm-hmm. And she directed more than 50% of it because Olivia was too busy little, little doing yeah. whatever she, <laughs> yeah. she was doing. But I'm, I'm going to watch that movie for... And, and I didn't do this when I was younger, but I do it now. I sit through the credits mm. to see the, cinema, the DP, the cinematographer. I, I sit to see who the gaffer was, right? The person who sets up the lights. Mm-hmm. Um, the sound, all that good stuff, because they should be appreciated way more than they are, right? We don't see them in Pe- the Oscars. People have like no idea how much it takes to make them. No, we, we, we see that we see the credit fall on the director. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't for the assistant director, the, the, the cameraman, like the, the lighting people, the color people, the, the production designer, all these people put so much love and effort into that movie. And we don't appreciate them because the Oscars tell us to appreciate mm-hmm. the director, the writer, and the actors. And that's it. And it's a shame because credit should be given where credit's due. Oh, I agree. I agree. I think a lot of, like, you know, I do the same thing now, too. I, wa- I watch the credits. I mean, obviously, like, if I got, a, like, a big group of people, like, you know, they all want to spurt out. They, they can go. <laughs> for sure. They can, for no, sure. for real. I've sat in a, a theater and be like, they were like, oh, the movie's over. I'm like, go ahead. Go. Interesting. I'll meet you out front. That's what's up. Yeah, no, I, I pay attention to the credits a lot more, too, though, because it's there's a lot of unsung heroes in the movies. Ooh. And people have no, like, idea just, like, what, like... One job takes even like a production assistant, bro. That that person worked their ass off for like six months making that movie. You know, doing some of the most like ridiculous tasks you could ever think of. I mean, of some of the, some do. of the hardest working people on production are assistant directors, right? Exactly. And I have a friend who's going into the assistant director program at the 
The director's guild. Oh shit! I was gonna apply for that. Smart, smart girl, um, and she, um, she's very math minded. Mm. And a lot of people think like, oh, AD, at the DJ, you get, you know, you get in the guild and whatever. <clears throat> That's great, but AD does is not a direct link to director. Mm-hmm. There, there are two big differences. An AD is very logical. They're very uh, math minded, scheduling, um, call sheets. I need to get these people here at this time. I need to make sure craft services are here at this time. A director is all creative, mm-hmm. storyboards, um, shot lists. You know, how do I make my vision come alive? So it was really cool to see her, this amazing female, STEM-minded, mm-hmm. right? Uh, very mathematically um, centered. And she's like, I'm going to do the AD program. And I said, go for it. And she's like, I'm scared because I'm, I'm competing with a bunch of other people who have been in film. I'm like, yeah, but it's a bunch of people who are directors that think that assistant director means they're going to be directors. It's not how it works. Yeah. It's not how it works. Right? Horrible title. They should have, they should have named it something completely different. Yeah. But, I don't know. I, I actually quite enjoy uh, assistant directing work, actually over directing. Like, I'm, I'm a creative person, but, like, you know, I just shot my thesis. We didn't complete it yet, but we just shot it. And I found myself being more of an AD than an actual director on my own shoot. And I realized when I was shooting, I was like, although I like, I love directing, you know, actors and it's fun. And like, you know, it it helps me get, you know, my story across at the same time. It's like, I really enjoy, you know, the scheduling, getting people where they need to be, being that guy that everybody has to go to. To make sure everything's logically set and everything. I hate that shit so much. Really? Yeah, I really See, do. I love it, dude. I am a fiend for it, dude. Like, I just, I, I don't know what it is. Like, it's not on, like, some power stuff. It's just, like, I like the, the like, that people need me to make sure all this stuff is set to go. And, like, they have to rely on me no matter what. And, like, I have to run the ship. Like, I have to keep it a tight ship and, like. I, I just love all of that. Like, I don't, I don't know why. Maybe it's like the business aspect of it too. Cause like I haven't like associates in business as well. Mm-hmm. And so like, maybe it's just kind of more the business side of me that I've always loved. And like, I have business owners in my family and stuff. And like, that's probably why, like it just connects with my brain better. I just, I can't do that. I, I mean, my brain doesn't work that way. Right. So I, I go onto a set, I see people, I see how they work. I see a story that needs to be told. I want to make sure that the emotions are proper for both, you know, multiple actors at the same time. I'll, I'll, I'll put them to the side and like, be like, Hey, this is what you need to do. Whatever. I don't think about time. I don't think about money. I don't think about, we have to get them sandwiches by 1 PM, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the thing is like, I think actors don't feel that way either for the most part. I think the longer you're in Hollywood, the more you respond to yeah. it's time for a sandwich or whatever. Uh, but people who are passionate about the art and passionate about um, acting <clears throat> will stay in it as long as they can. You know, we'll, get, we'll, we'll do the rest, the, the, the logistical part later. Mm-hmm. Let's get this in the can, as they say. 
Um, so I'm, I'm very much an actor's director. And, and I want to stay that way. Where I can empathize, understand, and figure out what actors need to do on a set to bring the most powerful performance they can bring. Um, and that's why I rely on my ID to do all the other mm-hmm. stuff, right? The schedule. When are the sandwiches coming? You know, um, when do we break the crew? Who needs to stay here at this moment to make sure that the shot gets shot? Um, and I and I love that. I love that we can coordinate that. So I love that Hollywood and and movie making is one of the only places where creatives. And um, logistical, math-minded people can work in unison to make a beautiful thing. Yeah. Right? Uh, because we, we don't see that anywhere else. If you're an artist, you're a painter, you're a sculptor, whatever, mm-hmm. you're in that headspace. Right? If you're a physicist, if you're a scientist, a mathematician, a teacher, whatever, you're in this head pa- headspace. But filmmaking is where both of them combine to make something that we watch on a Friday night mm-hmm. and let ourselves go for a little bit. I love that. And I would, I would very much so agree. I see it. Everything you like named about, you know, like the AD, like I enjoy even making a call sheet. Like I, I could do, you know what I mean? Yeah. My, my friend's a mathematician, like her degree is in math. Oh, math oh, that's crazy. Right? Yeah. And she's like, I'm really scared about going to this AD program. I was like, why? And she's like, well, I'm not creative. I don't, I don't know how I would work with, you know, creative people. And I was like, you are set apart from them because an AD is math. Mm -hmm. It's Excel spreadsheets. It's call sheets. It's all these things like graphs and budgets, numbers, budgets and scheduling and all this other stuff. You're going to do great. And not just are you going to do great you're going to be able to set yourself apart because you know these things already. And she's like, well, I want to work on your projects. I'm like, I don't have any projects. Yeah. But whenever I get to that point where I'm, I'm making, you know, these wonderful independent films, of course I'd love to have you there, but learn the business first. Yeah, for sure. Look, look, she knows the math. She just needs to learn the, creative part of it good on her that's a really hard program to get into it's like i'm, I'm rooting for her man. yeah i'm rooting for her too uh yeah they only uh i think they said they get like ten thousand applicants a year and they pick 20 20 they pick 20 20 people 20 people out of ten thousand. so like but out of this out of those ten thousand, i guarantee you 80 percent of those people are um creatives who are trying to work the system to get into Hollywood where she's like, no, I just like the math. I like the organization. And that's, I mean, when she understands how filmmaking works, she'll be my, my AD for life. For sure. And, and the thing is like, and, and people don't get it. Like we're getting into this new generation of people who are making movies and that's great. But if you look at the past, if you look at the history of film, Directors work with the same people. Oh, yes. Right? Tarantino, Kevin Smith. All the same. Uh, Spielberg. Was, you know, all these people work with the same people. They have the same script supervisor. They have the same editors. They have the same 
assistant directors or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're going into this generation finally where we're able to tell these stories, but us as creatives have to understand that we need those anchors of, of, um, level headed people. We, our imaginations are going to go wild, right? I'm, I'm in this, this, uh, thesis class and people are like, well, I want, you know, the sky to turn blue and green and special effects. I'm like, you don't have the money for that. No, dude. I, I was thinking the same thing throughout my thesis classes. People, right. there was this one dude, he was like, it was like a superhero and there's nothing wrong with like, you know, making what you want to make, but like be logical about what you could afford for sure. Of course. And like this guy, he was like, his whole like thesis was like a superhero thing and he was supposed to be like the green lantern, but it was like a stoner one. I was like, I was like, you know how much money it costs just to make one scene with a green lantern, like type deal like i was like i'm I'm, i mean i'm sitting here listening to so i had my first thesis class last week and these these two people very passionate very like into their projects Mm -hmm. good for them for being passionate about it yeah one's about a vampire by the way gag i'm done with vampires i know i know exactly whose project you're going to talk about um no i'm not i'm not just i'm not even gonna give them the the luxury of talking about it but there's one person who's doing a vampire thesis of course right um and then there's another person who's like there's a genie and a lamp and he comes out and fucking there's like green screen all over the place i'm gonna do all the visual effects i'm like cool like i'm doing a horror movie about somebody who's in a chair and he's stuck and he's trying to find a way out i pay zero dollars and zero cents i grab a shirt tie it around his his wrists and go into conflict Mm -hmm. right and that's where i think and, and i love it but i hate it at the same time people are so passionate and so driven that they think they're gonna make Star Wars. They're gonna they're they're gonna make this big special effects crazy thing as a student film. I think it, I think a lot of it has to do, and I, I'm kind of guilty of this myself. I think a lot of it has to do with hearing, you know, the short film stories of like getting picked up at festivals, and I think it kind of goes to people's heads sometimes, like. I had kind of gone that way, like in a sense, like, you know, the movie Lights Out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So that was originally a short film that got picked up at a film festival and it made into a movie. And I swear, I hear that example all the time. And I'm and I sit there. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's great. But it's also at the same time. How, mu- how much do you think they paid to make that movie? Exactly. Three grand. Yeah. Maybe it was literally a room. The, the lights turned off. It was probably the director's house. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, they probably spent like any money. And like, a lot of these people realize too, is like, you can't focus on like the special, like if you're doing special effects, you also need to realize that putting your budget, you need to feed people and you need to pay for other things and do other things like for mine, like. Oh, you got, you got craft services. Oh yeah. You, got, you know, pre-production, post-production, all this other crazy stuff. Just food alone for like two days was like $1,500. And we know the rule, right? Yeah. You feed them, you make them happy, they'll work harder. Yeah. We all know that. Yeah. Right? Um, Ain't no pizza on my set. <laughs> no, there's definitely pizza on my set. Everybody loves pizza. 
one one of the one of the days there will yeah, be yeah. Pizza, I, pizza I, I, would, I would put like on the first day I feel like that's the best day to put maybe, maybe because like the last day like for me personally like the last day I want to feed them real good you know what I mean like if right. possible and, and the thing is like when I when I worked on my set for a movie that I never released and you know I, I love writing script I'll throw away half of them mm-hmm. right um, and nobody will ever see because I loved you Mm-hmm. A handful of people will see it. Um, I made sure, like, I, I contacted as many people as I could to make sure there was food on the set. Mm-hmm. I remember. And th- that was, like, the happiest day on set. And we, we made sure there was music playing that wasn't depressing. Mm-hmm. We played some hip-hop after yep. every 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 shot. Um, and, and I loved being on that set. And, you know, I hope I can keep conti- I can continue doing that as a director. Um. But yeah, man, these these kids are. I love that they're shooting for the stars, you mm-hmm. know. But it's great to be confident. It's great to it's, have ambition. It's great. It's great. It's fantastic. I, I see it from I see it from an outside perspective. I didn't come to Hollywood on a wing and a prayer, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm gonna make it, or you know, I'm gonna live in my car till I, you know, till I can get there. Um, you had a plan. Well, I I fought for my plan and I struggled for my plan. Um, I've, I've had some, I've had some a rough go at it and I'm just now getting to a point where I can bring my knowledge and my expertise and my history to this, to these kids, Mm -hmm. kids, they're not kids. I mean, they're kind of kids. We're kind of um, still kids. I'm 24, and I I would still consider myself a kid. Yeah, but I'm not like I'm not a I'm not a studio. So I'm I'm in my 40s, but I'm not a 40 year old that's gonna be like, hey kid, you can't do this. Yeah. You know, I you know I want to be able to facilitate the next generation. And yeah, you want to sure. be you want to be open minded and yeah, you know, of course. You want to allow them to you right. know experiment and things. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and make sure that those stories get told because it's it's a whole it's a whole new world, man. You know, um, it is especially after COVID, super new world. I mean, you got you got COVID, you got um, the riots, you got mm-hmm. natural disasters, you got hurricanes, earthquakes. You know, I'm 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 working. You know, and this is for me, it's a big thing because I'm Latino. Um, I'm trying to open and bring up a Latino production company that will allow. Uh, Latinx men and women to tell their stories, which we don't hear very much about, right? Sure, yeah. So it's it's always vatos. And, and if we do, it's always like some like under like under budget, like they never get the right amount budget that they need. You know what I mean? They always studios always try to like half ass them. Here's here's what hurt my heart the most, and please don't put it in the podcast, but. Or do I don't give a shit. I don't care. I, I have no fucking. <laughs> I won't. I won't make. How about this? I won't make it a real. Fuck everyone. Fuck everything. <laughs> let's let's talk about it. Lin Lin Manuel Miranda is a Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he made Encanto about Colombia. Why? Why wouldn't you talk about this amazing island that is part of the United States? By the way, most people don't know that for some reason. Puerto Rico. Fucking white people. Um, <laughs> no, they don't. They don't realize that Puerto Rico is this this amazing part of the country that has lost all its resources to uh, to filter into the United States. And so when I was in my mid-30s, I went to Houston in the middle of Hurricane Harvey. That's what mm-hmm. it's called. Harvey, not Weinstein, just Harvey. 
It was Hurricane Harvey. Houston had been flooded. It had been decimated. Mm-hmm. And I drove my car down there to help the, the people of Houston. Two weeks later, Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico. Mm. And all you guys do was, did was throw paper towels at us and tell us that we were going to be okay. We're still recovering from that. That's crazy. That, that uh, disaster. And Fiona just hit it about a week ago. Oh, no. And we don't think about those people. We don't, we don't, dude. Like, and it, it's, I'm, I'm a prime example, dude. I didn't even know any of that's going on. So that's like the prime, like, yeah. prime and example. Black and white, right? We always fight about who's white, who's black. What's the, you know, what, what, you know, what's racism? And the Latinos like stay in the middle. And our stories never get told. Um, you know, our history never gets told. And we're ignored a lot. And I, I, listen, I, it's not about racism. It's not about, how do I explain this? It's about being forgotten because there's two major forces latching onto each other. Men and women, right? Black and white. So all those things in between get lost. And like, I have family who's, has had no power for years and years and years. They lose water. They lose power. They lose structure. And it's because that island got used by by the continental U.S. And we're just now figuring out, like, maybe we should kind of pay attention to it a little bit. Um, and we have Latino actors, mm-hmm. but they're afraid... To talk about Puerto Rico because they don't want to get blacklisted by Hollywood. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make this movie cheap. Horror we all know horror movies are cheap as hell to make. Good return on investment. Um, I'm gonna start a, a t- uh, with I'm gonna call it Taino Pictures. Taino are the first indigenous people of Puerto Rico, and make sure that Latino voices have a place in Hollywood and not just as like Vatos with low riders or freaking, you know, um, super virile, the, the suave, um, you know, Romeos of, of the world. We're not going to do that. Right. We have to tell these great stories, um, about, about Latino culture and make sure that, um, it's not compounded into some racist mm-hmm. category. Yeah. You know, I, I just like I commend it so much because it is forgotten. And I think we're at a point in society where we want to hear, you know, new stories and from different cultures. Like if you notice like a lot of content, like even I notice I watch a lot of shows in different languages now as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because the content is just getting better. Them Koreans, man, they're making Holy some good shit. fucking movies, right? Holy Squid shit. Game. Up to- Dude, there was there was this uh even uh Brazil's kind of starting to slap a little bit. I watched this uh it's called Fences on Brazil it's uh on Netflix. And it, like I was like I was like this isn't really going to be that funny. I, I love I love being in a class and and some some person being like, "Oh, I won't watch it because it's subtitles." I'm like you're missing out on a whole, whole range world. of like artistic, beautiful, you know, f- filmmaking because mm-hmm. you don't want to read. 
I had the argue, I had this argument with my parents because I was trying to get them to watch Squid Game, and I was like, no, like, you guys need to. They're like, we just don't want to read the subtitles, and it's like we don't want to have to keep up with it, and like the mouthing will be off. I was like, I was like, don't even like pay attention. Just like focus on what happens and pay attention to the subtitles and just like read what they're saying. It's yeah, I'm, incredible. I'm gonna, bring, I'm gonna bring something up for you too. Your wife Sabrina. Yes, Sabrina. Her name's Sabrina. Um. She's Brazilian. Yeah. How many people think she speaks Spanish? So many. So many. So people. many. It's Portuguese. Yes, Portuguese. Right? And that's the thing. We don't take the time to acknowledge and educate ourselves on the cultures of other people mm-hmm. because we think our culture is more important. And it's it's so it's so weird because I just find every other culture except America so beautiful. Like in, in the sense of like America, America has a beauty onto itself, mm-hmm. but we have shrouded it so much with politics and fucking bullshit and Matt, you know, Medical. like all these things have hidden our culture. And it's, it's, it's not to say that because we're babies compared mm-hmm. to other cultures we're we're not even teenagers yet right i mean if you think about europe these things are breaking down as they're building and you know we have this um but we think we're so important that's what i was saying we're not, we're not that important i know that's what i was saying earlier it was like when we first had started talking that like i have just taken a step back like this like last you know few months and like really realized like how grateful i should be in the situation that i am and it's and it goes all the way back to that it's like dude we have it so easy we have it so good and yet the whole like everyone i talk to not everyone but a vast majority of people i talk to think they have it so bad here they think that they they're more important than a certain person or a certain you know subject and or they they act that they act like they're better than it and it's like this like last few months of like I've, as i've approached graduation and i've realized that like i'm married i have a dog i live in a beautiful apartment live in a beautiful city you know yeah there's homeless people that scream at you every now and then but you know you gotta pay a price to live in a beautiful city sometimes you know what i mean like and I just have realized that, like, I've been so ungrateful the last, like, two, three years that, like, I think it's really, like, and it's because of things like that. I've realized, like, I'm leaving for Brazil in, like, two weeks. You know what I mean? And, like, I'm going to come back. I expect to come back very, like, humbled and feeling grateful because I know. I I want you to think about it this way. And and when you come back, I want you to remember this, too. Um, The U.S. is one of the only countries in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. That we are separated by our own kind, <laughs> right? Sabrina so people in LA, thing. people in LA, are different than people in New York, who are different from people in the South, who are different from people in the Midwest. So even if even if I cross this, if even even if I drive to New Mexico, it's a completely different culture, completely different people, completely different understanding of how the world works. So. You know, we, we, first off, the homelessness in L.A. is a joke, and it shouldn't happen, and I don't agree with it at all. It's horrible. It makes me sad. I've been homeless. I know how it works. Yeah. It sucks. It's, it's... Um, but the way we treat the homeless here is different mm-hmm. than the way 
the homeless are treated in Dallas. Um, where at least in other countries, they kind of get that and they understand they have pride in their culture and their country mm-hmm. and how things work. Here we have pride six different ways. Um, so even in our own country, we have to appreciate the culture of two states over. Um, and, when, and when we write and when we create and when we do these things, we, we need to make sure that we respect those cultures, even in, in our own country. Um, so, for example, I'm, I'm, I have a script written about the, you know, um, a breakup. And, and these two people are from two different worlds. Mm-hmm. But out of respect, I, I reached out to a female writer. And said, I can't write the female perspective of this. That, that would be silly of me. You know, I, I don't, I'm not a female. Mm-hmm. I don't know how your brains work. I don't know how, how you're going to go through these things. I don't know what's going on in your head. So help me write this. I can write from the male perspective. And it almost felt like when I was writing with her, we were breaking up. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we have to do that. We have to have those arguments yeah. to be able to write it properly. Um, so as a writer, director, or anything else, a, a creative, make sure that if, if it's not your point of view, if it's not your vision, you know, it's not the way you live your life, bring someone in that can help you create that. Yeah. Bro, uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time coming on and, you know, just chatting up with me, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited for this to air, man. Seriously, I'm really excited. So, you know, thank you so much for coming. You'll definitely be back because I just really enjoyed our conversation. So sounds good. Again, everyone, Ernesto Rodriguez, veteran, writer, director and filmmaker.